Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hi, welcome to Hollywood Crime Scene. This is Rachel Fisher. Hi, this is Desi Jenikin. We're up super late tonight recording this episode, and uh, we have a lot to cover today. So I am just going to... Get right in um, with our Patreon poll news. You guys are selecting our episode for next week, and currently um, Phil Hartman is in the lead, so that's probably what we're going to end up doing for next week's episode. You guys picked it out of like six options. But there's still time to vote, so if you're like a Ramon, Ramon Navarro fan... <laughs> Or a Cecil Cecil Hotel fan, you have until like 5 p.m. Monday to vote. Yeah. So get on it if you want to vote. Uh, most of you who are our Patreon contributors already have voted, which is really cool. Yeah, just a few of you. But we'll announce it yeah. um, tomorrow night. Okay. Um, what are we talking about today, Des? Okay. So um, I'm sure like all of you people who sort of are fascinated by crime in Hollywood, da-di-di-da, um, already know that this week is um, season two of American Crime Story is starting, and the subject matter will be the assassination of Gianni Versace. Um, this is a, a series that will be based on um, the book by um, journalist Maureen Orth that was called Vulgar Favors, uh, and it's about Andrew Kanan Gianni Versace and the largest failed manhunt in U.S. history. I'm going to be referencing some of her book throughout tonight's podcast. Um, uh, so anyways, I'm pretty excited for this thing. I actually, when we first started this podcast, this was what I had planned on doing for my first episode. The first one we were going to do. Well, you had picked, um, you had picked the Wonderland murders. So for the second week I was going to do Gianni Versace and I switched it I switched it to Fatty Arbuckle because I was like, oh, let me do like a more old Hollywood one since Rachel did a more, Correct. you know, from the past 30 or 40 years or whatever. Right. And it seems more modern, even though it's like the 80, uh, 80s or early 80s, whatever. So I'm going to do it uh, tonight because I feel like, hey, let's cash in on that publicity. Can, can you believe it's also been 20 years over, just over 20 years? That's right. That's Wild. right. Yeah. I, I, it was actually a story that I was always sort of fascinated by. I don't yeah. know if you... Yeah, I was. Also, yeah. Um, so I guess this is kind of like a little primer, which is how Martha Stewart told me to say it. Wait, so I she said her. primer instead you of say, primer? Yeah. You, if it's primer, it's paint. If it's primer, that's what you that's what you call it. Let me just tell you something really quick. <laughs> I know this is going to be a long episode, but Martha Stewart pronounces herb, herb. Right. So, you know what? I just have to. And in the words of my mother, whenever we watch Martha together, because we always did back in the day, she would say, you're from New Jersey. Right, right. Yeah, Herb is really irritating. Anyways, this is going to be a 10-part series, not the podcast, but the... the, the <laughs> like Jesus. Yeah, the, the show. So I feel like 
I'm going to get into it at the end, sort of what the show is going to focus on. So okay. this is kind of like a really good baseline knowledge of the show. Of the case. Of the case, not the show. Um, so let's get into like Versace's background first. Uh, Giovanni, Gianni Versace was born um, in Italy, Reggio Calabria on December 2nd, 1946. He grew up with his elder brother, um, Santo, and uh, his sister, Donatella, who we all probably know. His mom was actually a dressmaker, so he kind of always had this inclination to kind of sew and um, had that kind of, you know, background growing up. He actually had another sister who died at the age of 12. Um, so it's like this old school Italian craft, you know, artisanal yeah. family he's in. Um, he actually, he was very influenced by a few things growing up. One of them was ancient Greek history. And the other thing uh, was the artwork of Andy Warhol, which I feel like both of those things are sense. very evident right. in his clothing line, if you're at all familiar. It has that kind of gaudy, the golds. Well, the Medusa head for one. Yeah, the Medusa head, but also like the bright colors of like pop art. Right. Stuff like that. Um, he actually began his apprenticeship at a, um, a very young age working in his mom's sewing business. Um he uh, became interested in architecture and design at some point, and he eventually moved to Milan to work in fashion design. In 1973, he got his first job as a designer working for um, an Italian kind of a ready-to-wear company called Biblos. I think that's how you say it, which was um, a line of another, like, actually, the, the Italian company's name is Jenny, and they're sort of like this popular design. So he worked for initially for Biblos, which was like the young woman's line. And in 1977, he went to their more experimental line called Complice. Uh, he eventually um, did his own signature collection um, at the um, Art Museum of Milan. And he had his first fashion show in September of that year. Um, he opened his first boutique in Milan in 1978. Um, in 1982, he actually met his partner, Antonio uh, D'Amico. D'Amico? Don't even ask Don't me. Don't even. Um, and that relationship, I actually, and, and also I wanted to point out that Versace was openly gay practically his whole life, like, which I think is pretty rare for that period. Yeah. So in 1982, he met this um, guy, Antonio, who was a model at the time. And their relationship actually lasted until Versace's death. Um, before Versace, um, died, he was actually diagnosed with cancer of the ear, which I find I've never heard of odd. that. I've never heard of that. But, uh, Antonio was like with him a long time and cared for him. Uh, he actually worked for his company at some point and became uh, a head designer for sort of like some of the lesser, I don't know what they're called. Like, like, like versus, uh, yeah. Versus and Estante is the other one. He also was very close to his sister Donatella, and he um, had he had no children, but he uh, sort of doted on his um, nieces and nephew, including uh, Donatella's children, Allegra and Daniel. And Allegra was sort of she was in the news for a minute, right? Because she was battling um, an eating disorder, right? That's sort of his little background segment. What did you think about Versace's fashion? Were you like a fan? Uh, I was, and. Uh, in the nineties when my dad was doing really well in his business, he wore a lot of Versace. So I was definitely heavily exposed to the 
the line and the right. company and I was really into it. I loved the bright colors. I loved the campiness of some of the outfits. I loved uh, the runway shows were always so bright and sexy. Everything was like pure was sex very sexy, and very yeah. like Milan. And um, I promised like a tiny anecdote uh, that my dad had for me about uh, Versace that I'll share at the end. It's it's nothing, but he shared it over Christmas. And I'm like, well, we're going to do that episode soon. So I'll bring that up. Okay. Uh, we're all dying for it. <laughs> it's it's not that interesting, but it's an anecdote. I mean, from on, my to dad. be honest, I'm like goth girl through and through. Uh, although I, I liked the fashion shows and there were some iconic red carpet type moments with some of his uh, dresses. Right. It's not something I would ever wear. There was a wedding dress, like, because back in the day, fashion shows, they always ended with a wedding dress. Right. And that's one of my favorite tropes of at least the old school fashion shows. Yeah, I like they that would, too. They'd end with the wedding dress and it'd always be very, uh, you know, couture or like avant-garde right. or weird. And Versace's wedding dresses that he ended the shows with were always super awesome. Like there was a really, like a glittery mini one that Kate Moss wore. And there was another one that Kate Mulder wore in 1995 that was all uh, clear vinyl. Right. It was No, hot. it was very showy. Yeah, very showy. Uh, I, I was always like... Um, he also always said that Donatella was like his muse, which was yes. like... that's really cute. Yeah, it was cute. Uh, um, anyways, so Andrew Kanan, let's go into his background a bit. Uh, he was born in National City, California, um, which I think is near Modesto, like yeah. in Central uh, California. National City? I don't know. I don't know. It sounds boring. No, I'm just kidding. Now I don't need an email we from We don't want to get an email from someone. <laughs> I'm sure it's lovely. Um, so he... Uh, was born to uh, Modesto Kunan, and maybe that's why I thought it was near Modesto. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sorry, I'm very simple-minded. So I'm actually the joke. <laughs> I'm the bad person. Um, he was a Filipino-American, and he the mom is Mary Ann Shalachi, and she's an Italian-American. He was the youngest of four children, and um, Modesto... Kunanen was actually serving in the U.S. Navy at the time of his son's birth in the Vietnam War. I think he was born in 1969. Um, in 1981, Kunanen's father enrolled him at the Bishop School in La Jolla. At some point, oh, I so guess, this is Southern California. Yeah, San Diego. Uh, well, I don't know if where National City is, okay. but well, at some we'll, point they're we'll in look San it up Diego. Later. Okay, it's a very important detail to the story. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, everyone at school sort of remembers Andrew as being like very bright and talkative. He had a really high IQ of 147, wow. which is like pretty That's up pretty there. high. He also started developing this reputation as being like a huge fucking bullshitter. Like he told a ton of tall tales and was always holding court with these fantastic lies. So he was like kind of already starting on his little path to be a con man. Right. Um, but he, he also was like really adept at changing his appearance and he started going by um, sometimes using the last name DeSalva. So it was like a lot of things was already sort of putting him on this path, like I said, of sort of being this sort of person who slips into worlds right? and no one really knows who he, he really is. And I think he wanted it that way. One of his former classmates, a, a man named Robert Ahrens, described him a bit like this. I thought he'd be a very successful businessman or maybe in the fashion industry or just something really star quality like. Um, he also remembered him as being good looking with a good fashion sense. 
he said Andrew would put dimes in his penny loafers. I don't know why I had to include that detail because I found because he thought it made him look rich. <clears throat> well, I just remember like people would put pennies. Yeah. But then some people started putting dimes. Like I don't remember. Do you that, not have that? But I remember penny. Loafers. I actually remember wanting to do the dimes because I I was like oh I like silver with black like that was right. my it wasn't like a rich thing I didn't care. Right. I didn't really wear penny loafers. That was like, oh, if I do it, it's going to be this. Right. Um, and he uh, said he always had a little something extra. So he's like the original extra. <laughs> he brought the extra. Okay. Um, he also had this air about him that was sort of older than his years. Like, yeah. So I picture this like, you know, he's gay. And I think he was also openly gay. And those, the gay guys in my high school that I was friends with, they always were sort of like years beyond every other guy at school right. do you know what I mean like right. I was always friends with them for a reason I think just because I could relate to them on like a higher level maybe so it seems like he was that type of guy but a sociopath um so he was in this rich school but he was actually from a very working class family and lived in sort of like the working class neighborhood yeah and that's something that I feel like can fuck up even like a normal person oh, having yeah. to go from there to, to this rich school and I actually did that one year of my life but I, I didn't fucking care because I'm like, <laughs> whatever. Dude, my school, my middle school and elementary school that I went to was so wealthy that I was that we were the poor family, right? Which right. is so. I had that up. a lot in my life where I went to a rich school and I was middle class, but I was like, everyone had BMWs and I had like yeah, a it's shitty like beat up. Absurd. Yeah. It's not like yeah. So um, Robert Aaron's this high school friend also said like. No one knew anything about his family life. Like, no one knew who his mom was, his dad was. They didn't even know he was half Filipino. Like, he didn't talk about any of that. He kept everything, like, on the DL. Uh, he was the class of 1987, and his, like, high school thing was that he was voted most likely to be remembered, which well. is, like, super creepy, right? <laughs> his quote, um, his, like, senior quote was from King Louis um, the Fifteenth XV. That's 15th, right? Yeah. God, I am so trash. Uh, so a, this accompanied his senior photo, and it was Après moi, le déluge. Please forgive my French. Which means, after me, the deluge. What's the deluge mean? I don't know. I, was, I probably should have looked that up, but it sounds kind of, like, heavy, right? <laughs> um, so uh, according to this um, Robert, that quote turns out to be an omen so i think deluge is bad we should look it up <laughs> we should look it up please add us and tell us we'll as we tell how both we both like, got kicked out yeah, of high school surprise surprise <laughs> we both got kicked out of high school we don't know anything um so a year after andrew graduated from high school his father actually faced embezzlement charges and fled the country abandoning the family and leaving wow. them broke like even more broke even broker um so that was the same year that um, Andrew's mother learned that he was gay, even though, like I said before, he was openly gay in high school and actually uh, described as flamboyant. So he wasn't just like quietly gay. He was like, you know, flaming. Gay. <laughs> Is that even allowed to say that anymore? Um, when she found out that he was gay, they had a huge fight. He actually threw her against the wall and dislocated her shoulder. Jesus. Um, there was an, like some kind of investigation into him or into his behavior after that incident. And it uh, said that he suffered from antisocial personality disorder, uh, which we know is sort of like a personality dis yeah. disorder that sort of implies that you have a lack of empathy 
right? Or uh, some kind of psychopathy to various degrees, right? Um, he did enroll in college after he graduated high school at the University of California, San Diego. He majored in American history, and surprise, he dropped out. Shortly after that, he... Um, I'm not quite sure about this. I kept seeing conflicting things in all the articles I was reading. I think at some point after that, he started going to San Francisco a lot. Mm-hmm. I have seen that he settled there, but then I've seen that he's, he kind of goes back and forth. Between, but he was in San Francisco for a time. He was in there, yeah, for a time, but it did seem like he would go back and forth a bit right. in these ensuing years after he graduated. Um, so I already mentioned that he had the alias he used, Andrew De Silva. He also lied about um, connections he had to rich and famous people. He told people that his mother was friends with Debbie Harry. That was like one of his lies. That's pretty bold. He also claimed to be Jewish when he was actually Catholic. I don't. So it's just like, I feel like this guy just lied about like everything. Like he didn't want anyone to know who he right. was. Well, we've talked about that too on the show before about right. pathological liars. He was very well known in the gay community in San Diego and in San Francisco. Um, he kind of walked in. He had like the entourage and he would like pay the bills. So I don't know where, where he was got he his... getting this money from. Well, there's like a lot of stuff written where I feel like he might have been dealing drugs. Like I feel mm-hmm. like he might have been getting his money from drugs. Um, so he was a big spender and very showy and made like a scene and he had a reputation in these communities and he clearly, not necessarily bad, but he was known like, right. He clearly wanted people to think of him as some kind of star or celebrity, right. Associating with celebrities. Or he at least wanted this illusion that he's had a lot of money. So he might've been like the type of person who blew all his money on tips and even though True. he was like not eating or whatever, you know what I mean? Like, but it was all about his image. Everything it was, was all about his image. Another brag that I thought was sort of funny because he kind of would deny his Filipino background, but then sometimes he would admit it and he would say that he knew Imelda Marcos. <laughs> sorry. I don't know why that I was just kind of like, well, like I'll admit that I'm Filipino just to do this lie. Cause it's like, okay. <laughs> like at any, at any cost he will. Like he's always figuring or... out like, when can I use this information? Like yeah, when is it the best? Yeah. He's an opportunist. Um, another friend who comes up a few times, uh, in this work I did is, um, a San Diego guy named Michael Williams who knew Andrew. Uh, he said that Andrew did his homework. He would investigate older, wealthy gay men who didn't have families and he would place himself in those circles. And that was his living. Wow. So I have heard that he did sell drugs, but then this guy's also saying, well, he was a bit of a gold digger or whatever. Um, so at some point, uh, one of the one of the sort of m- big mysteries of Versace's killing was why Versace, right? Um, and did they know each other from something like? And it was basically never really confirmed one way or the other. But this woman Maureen Orth, who wrote the book that the series will be based on, she actually has a story that I'm going to tell you right now, that they did meet at some time. So this is in, I believe, 1990. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was in San Francisco, where I said before he was big on the scene, and he was in particular into like S&M party type yeah. stuff. Yeah. Uh, one of his friends actually, one of the first known incidents of him being sort of violent beyond, be, besides the mom thing, 
was at one of these S&M parties. Um, he was with a friend named John Simarau. Uh, and according to John at the party this night, he grabbed me around the neck so hard. He was choking me by his grip. I said to him, Andrew, you're really hurting me. Stop it. Something had snapped in him. Now I realized the guy was hunting. He was getting the thrill of the hunt, the thrill of the kill. I saw it in his eyes. I saw it in his body. He had stepped over the edge. Now that's also, I don't doubt the story, but it also maybe has a little bit of revisionist history. Like now looking that you know, back on it. Well, like, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's possible he felt like there was you know, some dead eye, like craziness happening. Mm -hmm. But I'm sure it's like one of those things where you look back, you're like, oh, like that, I could have gotten in that car. And you know what I mean? Like you look back and it's, it's creepier like, in hindsight. Yeah. But it's, it probably was creepy. And I'm not, sure, yeah, I'm like, sure it yeah. was fucked up. And but this when is like happening. recalling it after everything is, you know, said and done. Well, it's sort of like we talk about the Kaiser Sose moment. Right, 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 right. When you right. discover that somebody is a terrible well, it person. it takes on a new depth yeah, like you like examine creepy, yeah. all the moments okay so around the same time in san francisco um there was a san francisco nightclub called colossus which i'm assuming is a gay club um but i don't i don't know have you heard of it no look i was a child then <laughs> you didn't dream of going to colossus when you grew up um versace was in town because he had designed costumes for the san francisco opera um and so he went to this club, I guess, while he was in town. Yeah. Um, he At the club, he ran into Kunanen, who, um, and this is Kunanen's story, I think. He said to Versace, that Versace seemed to recognize him, that Versace said to him, I know you, and like wagged his finger at the 21-year-old's direction. Lago di Como, no. And Kunanen replied to him, thank you for remembering, Signor Versace. Um, so... I guess he had thought he had seen him at Lake Como, which is a sort of celebrity kind of vacation spot uh, in Italy. Um, and and Kunhanen kind of just went along with it. Um, and he like bragged about this encounter to people at the time saying, uh, he said to um, Versace, I said, if you're Gianni, Gianni Versace, then I'm Coco Chanel. Like that was his little. So he was like telling this story. Right. Now, Donatella Versace, after her brother's murder, said that they had never met. So it's kind of like, I don't know if it happened or not. Right. But at the very least, it kind of proves that he did have some kind of fascination with Versace well before the murder happened. Yeah. Right. Okay. So around... You know, in the early 90s, at some point, Michael Williams, the guy I mentioned before, the restaurateur from San Diego, introduced Andrew to a man named um, Jeff Trail. Uh, it was a weird friendship in a real... Like, they became very close, even though they were complete opposites. Jeff was um, a graduate of Annapolis, a Gulf War veteran living in San Diego. He was also gay, but kind of, kind of straight-laced and conservative. Yeah. Like, he's a military, but he's, you know... He actually had appeared in a 48 Hours interview in 1993 talking about gay people in the military. So he was kind of like, you know, a good guy and just sort of um, hooking up with Andrew. I don't know if they actually had a sexual relationship, but they were very close friends. Mm -hmm. um, Jeff would actually end up being Kunanen's first victim. At some point... Um, while he was in San Diego, and this is why it was confusing where he was uh, as far as San Diego versus San Francisco. 
he had like a going away party that he was moving to San Francisco. So right. I feel like maybe he moved back to San Diego and then was relocating again to San Francisco. Right. So he has this big going away party. In actuality, he had already bought a one-way ticket to Minneapolis, which was where Jeff Trail had moved at some point. Yeah. To kind of, I mean, to, to move, but also to get away from Andrew. It had become like a very toxic. bad, toxic relationship. Yeah. Um, he actually had another f- uh, f- ex-lover. This was actually an ex-lover who he described as his, um, the love of his life. Uh, David Mastin also lived in Minneapolis. So he was going back to see He was going to guy. Minneapolis. He told both of these guys, hey, I'm coming for a visit. Neither one of them were happy that Andrew was coming. Like both of them had had it up to here uh, with Andrew. Wow. But they kind of, he's kind of, he was kind of the person you just couldn't say no to, or they just were like, oh, like, what are we going to do? I'm going to try to Fucking avoid him. Andrew. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? It was yeah. like that kind of situation. It was not like, yay, let's go. We're going to all party and hang out together. Right? They're like, how do we get rid of fucking Andrew? I did read something too, where people speculated that Andrew was paranoid that those two lived in the same town and could talk about him, which is like so He's fucking such a paranoid. Fucking narcissist. Yeah. yeah. Total narcissist. Um, and I also mentioned the drug dealing, which I think had amped up a bit at this time. And he had yeah. actually tried to get Jeff involved in some kind of drug scam. And that was also part of the reason that Jeff moved away. Yeah. Because Andrew, and he, like I said, he's like a straight-laced military guy. He's not going to get involved in illegal activity. So on Friday, April 25th, um, David Madsen, he was sort of like the more pushover one, mm-hmm. picked up Andrew from uh, the airport they had dinner with a group of um, David's friends. And at some point during the dinner, um, Andrew was was saying to him, show them what I got you. Show them what I got you. And he had brought Madsen a gold Cartier watch that was actually not new. So it was probably like a stolen. It must have been. Right. So it was, it was kind of like an, a, a weird moment. It was sort of like inappropriate. Like, here's yeah. what I do to you. And it's like, and Andrew said it was a thank you for helping him turn his life around. So he's like, like very manipulative, yeah. uh, like you said, opportunist and narcissist. Um, during the dinner, Kunanan said that he had planned on returning to California Monday morning. Um, he spent the night at Madsen's apartment that Friday night. And the next night, Saturday night, he was in Trails, Jeff Trails' apartment, which was uh, like in the next town over. Um, he was there at 10 a.m. Sunday. Uh, he actually took a message on Trails' phone from a friend who called about something. And he left it on the, a yellow notepad and signed it, Love, Andrew. Um, the, jo- Jeff Trail actually at the time had a boyfriend named John Hackett, and that was his, Sunday was his birthday. So he had plans with his boyfriend to go out um, dancing that night. But he, at some point, told Hackett that he needed to talk about Andrew, talk to Andrew about something pretty yeah. important. It was only going to take like a half hour. Um, he, Jane, the boyfriend didn't know what the conversation was about. He just knew that um, Jeff had to do some things and then he was going to meet him at this uh, dance club later. Um Hackett actually arrived at Trail's apartment at 6 p.m. and there was no sign of Kunanan or his bag. Uh, at some point, Kunanan left a voice message on Trail's voice voicemail or mm-hmm. um, 
saying, give me a call because I'd like to see you. So it was already kind of like, wait, what? Like, right. It was like he was trying to establish something, right? Right. So like I said before, it was, um, uh, you know, he had plans to go to the boyfriend's um, birthday party at the dance club, which was hilariously called the Gay 90s uh, Nightclub. <laughs> In Minneapolis, okay. I'm sorry. I love our gay club like collection. We do have to collect them all. We need to make a list. Uh-huh. Um, at some point, someone had seen Trail in his car between nine and nine fifteen on his way to this club where he was supposed to be ten to ten thirty. Um, s- people who lived in Trail's apartment building. Um, said that they recalled hearing shouting and somebody saying, get the fuck out. They heard like thumping um, against the wall for 30 to 45 seconds. They heard water running. Uh, They looked out, this neighbor, one of the neighbors looked out his door and saw no one. Um, Actually, this was in Madsen's apartment, not Trails, I'm sorry. Um, So on Monday, another neighbor saw Madsen in the elevator and a man matching Kunanan's description. And then another witness said that they saw the two men walking that same day, Monday. So Kunanan was still there Monday. Yeah. Trail did not show up at Gay 90s. I'm sorry. It's not funny, but Gay 90s just makes me laugh. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, so his boyfriend Hackett started getting worried. Uh, he didn't know where his boyfriend was and he never showed up at his birthday. He started calling hospitals and jails. He was this is very 90s also, paging Trail every 20 <laughs> minutes. Uh, and then Trail did not show up for work, and that's when Hackett uh, called the police. Uh, they, uh, according to him, he said, they advised me that Jeff was a big boy at 28, and that, you know, we've all heard this, they can't file a missing report, person's report for 72 hours. Um, Hackett was also sort of hamstrung by the fact that he couldn't call Trail's parents because they didn't know he was gay. So I guess he didn't want to call us the boyfriend. Yeah. Um, So Monday night at 8 o'clock, Hackett went back to Trail's apartment, and it was literally uh, just as it had left. There was no, like, you know, nothing looked disturbed. Uh, An upstairs neighbor did say they saw a man matching Kunanan's description in front of the apartment um, between 7 and 7.45 the night before and heard voices talking. Uh, okay, Tuesday afternoon at 1.45 uh, p.m., two women who worked with David Madsen went to his loft because he didn't show up for work. When they knocked on the door, they thought they heard whispering, uh, and they thought they heard a dog pawing and scratching, but no one answered. Uh, according to this woman, Laura Booher, we said in a very loud voice that we better call the police. I'm sure they heard me. At some point, the police arrived uh, and they didn't want to do a forced entry because they weren't sure if the dog would become aggressive and they'd have to shoot it. Um, they left another message for the superintendent of the building to get a pass key to get into the apartment. Um, and when the superintendent entered at 4 p.m., she saw a body wrapped in carpet. Blood was splattered all over the back of the door, and there were two sets of bloody footprints on the floor. She called the police, and the dog was absolutely fine, so it was like the whole thing was a mess. There was no feces or urine anywhere by the dog. Um, Madsen's wallet and a bloody Banana Republic T-shirt were left behind, and they found two plates of rice in the refrigerator. A bloody household hammer was on the table by the door. Um, So basically, the guy in the carpet had been beaten to death with a hammer and then wrapped up 
rolled up into a rug and left in this apartment. And this is David Madsen's apartment. Another friend of Madsen's named Monique Salvetti uh, came on the scene and she saw the police swarming and she said, I can identify the body. Um, but the police didn't allow her to enter the crime scene. Tuesday night, Jeff Trail's parents had finally been contacted. Um, they were actually at the hospital where Jeff's sister was giving birth. Uh, and Trail was um, not yet identified as the body in the rug, but he was the victim he was in the, the rug. Victim. It wasn't David Madsen. Um, he was identified, actually, by his Marvin the Martian uh, tattoo he had on his left ankle because his face was... Uh, beaten pretty bad, badly, right? Um, he had been hit from behind, but his face uh, was also bludgeoned with the hammer. He actually was wearing a Swiss, Swiss Army watch at the time, and it stopped at 9.55 p.m., which is around the time he was supposed to be on his way to Whoa. his boyfriend's, right? Um, so Kunanen and Madsen at this point had vanished, Um People who were looking for Madsen actually became horrified because they thought he was missing, and now he was a suspect in right. the murder of Jeff Trail. And that was the police's first reaction to, yeah. this is Madsen, it's his apartment, the body's in his, you know, it's like right. everything is like, and Gunanen wasn't in that area, he wasn't known in that area to be anything, like right. whatever. Um, so Madsen's parents actually weren't told that he was missing at that point until late Thursday afternoon because he was considered a suspect. At some point, uh, they were like taking in like tips, like people citing Madsen and, Kun and Kunanen. They actually, the police actually went to stop to eat at a diner on Rush Lake, which is uh, just like an hour north of the Twin Cities. And it was actually at this lake that Madsen's body was found in the tall grass out on the edges of the lake by fishermen on Saturday morning. Wow. Uh, he had been shot three times through one eye and in the back, in his head and in his back. Um, his car keys were on the ground where his body was found, but his Jeep was gone. Madsen's body showed no sign of restraints and his only defensive wounds, wounds were in his fingers. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm the queen of starting a free trial offer and forgetting to cancel it, oftentimes being charged for months for something I'm not even using. If I asked you how many subscriptions you have, would you be able to list all of them and how much you're paying? If you would have asked me this question before I started using Rocket Money, I would have said yes, but let me tell you, I would have been so wrong. I can't believe how many I had and all the money I was wasting. With Rocket Money, I can see all of my subscriptions in one place, and if I see something I don't want, I can cancel it with a tap. I never have to get on the phone with customer service. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. 
All you have to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. It's definitely saved me money and now I can use that money to waste on things I do want. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. That's rocketmoney.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene possibly um, because he had raised his hands to protect himself when he was being shot. The only link between Trail and Madsen was Cunanan. And a week after uh, Madsen's body was found, um, ammunition was found in Trail's closet that matched the 40 caliber uh, bullets that Madsen was shot with. Um, The police asked, uh, there was also um, another box of bullets with 10 bullets missing and an empty empty holster found in a duffel bag in Madsen's apartment. And at some point the cops finally looked at the bag and the identification tag on the bag said Andrew, Andrew Cunanan. So the police were like a little inept here. Not that I'm judging police because obviously we're looking back on things. Um, But there was a few things they did that sort of delayed his capture. Yeah. Not checking the tag seems like a pretty uh, simple one. They also, like I think I mentioned before, where they didn't enter the apartment because of the dog. Like a lot of people theorized um, that waiting for the superintendent to go into the apartment rather than the cops doing it in that moment. Yeah. They theorized that that Kunanen might have been holding Madsen hostage at gunpoint when the when the women knocked on the door and they thought they heard whispering or something. So it's possible that they would have found Madsen alive with Cunanan in the house if they had entered at that moment. Right. Um, after Cunanan murdered these two men, he drove to Chicago in the Jeep of David Madsen yeah. and killed a 72-year-old man named Lee Miglin, who was a very wealthy real estate developer, developer and lived in... I can't remember. Oh shit! What's it called? The Gold Coast, like Chicago's, like the like a very wealthy area. In Did Chicago. he know who this guy was? That's another thing that's very unclear. He did. There was speculation that he might have known Lee's son named Duke Miglin, who was in California and an aspiring actor. Yeah, but the family denies that they had any connection, and there's just no way of knowing. But yeah. it is sort of a random, uh, like why. Um. This was a pretty uh, brutal murder. Miglin had been found with duct tape on his hands and his feet. Um, His head was wrapped in masking tape with a small hole cut out for his nose. His feet were bound, and his body was covered in plastic and brown paper. He was stabbed over 20 times with a screwdriver, and his um, throat had been sawed open with a hacksaw. I mean, it's like kind of a brutal murder, right? Like That's fucked up. Seems a bit... I mean, I hate to say overkill, but like, well, that seems like something you would do to someone you had some real rage, rage against or, at or needed information from. I don't know. But also yeah. the wrapping of the tape and leaving a nose <clears throat> hole. That's like very S&M. You know what? I was going to, I was just going to say that a lot of the cop stuff, there's a really good article. I'll try to link to it on our Facebook page 
that goes really into depth on Andrew Kanan and I just had to like eliminate a lot of right. it. But they go into a lot of the S&M stuff that he was really into that aspect of it. And that's like a prime example of people going into it for the wrong reason. Like right. 95% of people are fine and cool and it's just a thing they're into. Yeah. But there is this danger of people who are not good going into it S&M lifestyle for the wrong reasons, right? right. I mean, and those are people who would go into any situation. Right, but right, they're, right. But It's they, not an indictment of the scene, no. but it's just like, you know, but that's they why they have into, a lot of roles in that right. world, well, and the, it's for a reason. Right, the BDSM community at, in general is, is all about consent and being safe right, and right. thoughtful. Yeah, and keeping those type of people out. Yeah. Um, so Lee's wife, Marilyn... Actually, um, how he was found was he was supposed to pick her up from the airport. Um, she was coming home from a business trip, and he didn't pick her up, which was, like, really unusual. She went home, and she uh, the house was a fucking pigsty. There was stubble from electric shaver in the bathroom sink. There was debris in the kitchen, melted ice cream. In Lee's library, she found um, a large slice of ham. What? what? I know, just like on the desktop, like a, um, and she was quickly like creeped the fuck out. Like something yeah. is not right here. Obviously, like her husband doesn't eat ham on the desk. Like, you know what I mean? Like, There's can you imagine walking into your house? Oh, you'd be scared. Yeah. Um. Well, you'd called- either be one of two. First, you'd be pissed. You'd be like Lee. <laughs> right, but if you hadn't never done that before. Um, um, right. Yeah. It's first scary. Uh, so she found a fake nine millimeter pistol in the bathroom. And that was when she called police. Uh, police came and they found her husband, as we've mentioned, in the garage. So they found They found him. him. She didn't find him, which well, I guess is good. a small blessing. There was no sign of forced entry in the house. And this guy, I mean, obviously this is just friends, testimonials was widely considered a good guy, okay? Well, what so year there was is no this? Reason. This is 97, right? This is already 97. Did they have yeah. Craigslist then? <clears throat> I don't think so. I don't think so. Maybe. I have no idea. Maybe just in San Francisco. Oh, right. Maybe it just started. Because right? I remember it yeah. for a long time. Um, I'm just wondering why he, like... Yeah, how he found this guy. How he found this guy. I, I didn't see anything that... The only thing I saw was the speculation with the sun. Maybe you saw him on a billboard. Possibly. Um, or maybe it was just random. Right. So obviously all of this evidence showed that the killer had stayed a while. Um, he shaved. I said a shave. He also had taken a bath. Um, he ate and left yeah. food everywhere. Um, so after this murder, uh, I feel like they, I didn't see the why, but after this murder, I don't know if it was connected to this murder, but because of the two murders in Minneapolis, Kunana was actually put on FBI's 10 most wanted list. So he was like... He was wanted. He was a known fugitive at this point in time. Uh, He did steal um, Miglin's car. And uh, he... Also at this point, the gay communities in San Diego were terrified. Because they knew who this was. And this guy could be coming back or whatever. Um, so he took Mickling's car and his fourth victim was actually completely random. There's literally no connection. It was a 45 year old caretaker named William Reese. And he basically killed him to steal his, uh, red pickup truck. Reese was shot to death. Uh, at that point, the manhunt began focusing on finding Reese's truck. 
uh, and Kunanin, Kunanin uh, had gone to Miami Beach at this point. And he was basically hiding in plain sight. Like he was doing nothing to really disguise, disguise himself. himself or hide out. Like to go to Miami, which I don't know Miami well, but I'm assuming it has a pretty big gay scene, right? Like, uh, yeah. Uh, so it seems like within the gay community, this was a big fucking deal. Every, everyone else at this point, I don't think even knew that this crime spree was kind of happening. You think it even reached Miami? I don't know that it did. But like, I'm imagining like the gay community in San Diego and like, do these communities start talking to each well, other? Well, they can't because it's the mid nineties right. and they don't have social media. Right. But I don't know. Like, I have no idea. I just know the gay community was freaked out in San Diego. So they were obviously being contacted by police and being interviewed. And you know us there. LGBTs. We have, we've had special radar. You guys don't radar. all know each other. <laughs> we, we don't all know each other. But I mean, that was the early days of the internet. Yeah, but it was just like weird random chat rooms and stuff. Right. Well, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I don't think anyways. so. I th- I think he saw the birdcage and was <laughs> yeah. like, I got to oh, right, go. the birdcage. I got to yeah. go to fucking Miami. Um, he even used his own name to pawn a stolen item. Um, what an idiot. So he was like literally not a very savvy criminal. He just did right? not care. I think he didn't care. Um, so... Actually, someone at a sub shop recognized Kunanan from America's Most Wanted and called the police, but they arrived too late. To he had he had gone already, so that like would have stopped Fuck. everything. That's just kind of like this weird thing. Um, so he kind of escaped that thing that happened four days before July fifteenth, wow. nineteen ninety seven, when he uh, approached his last victim, Gianni Versace. Okay, so. Uh, Versace was shot and killed at the age of 50 on the steps of his Miami Beach mansion after taking a morning walk on Ocean Drive. His mansion is insane. It's insane. Um, Normally, uh, he would have had his assistant go to the coffee shop to get the morning papers and stuff like that. But for some reason that morning, he decided to go on his own. This is all just seconds and inches. Yeah. Um, So... Andrew Cunanan killed him, actually, with the same gun uh, he would later use to commit suicide eight days later. Um, So, basically, when Gianni Versace got shot, his boyfriend, Antonio, was inside the house with um, a a friend, Lazaro Quintana. Uh, They were, like, in the dining room when they heard the shots, basically. From outside. From outside. Um... Lazaro actually went outside uh, and there were witnesses because I feel like in this area of Miami, it's people walking around like his house was not in some it was like in the heart of Miami. Like, yeah, there's people are walking around. Yeah. Uh, A woman was um, standing there and she kind of witnessed the crime or at least the aftermath of the crime. uh, And she pointed in the direction that the killer had run like she saw the killer leaving the scene of the crime. Lazaro actually went after him on foot um, and kind of followed him the best he could. Uh, at some point, the cops, you know, came up and he yelled out information like he's got a gun. He turned up this alley. Um, he came in front of a building where men were standing outside and asked them, did you see a man running yeah. by here? And they pointed to a parking garage that was, you know, within the vicinity of Versace's mansion. Um 
he told the police all this information. He's in this garage. Go get him. Go get him. Um, and then, you know, this was all over the radio at this point. Like, that's how fast this news kind yeah. of broke and got out. And it literally became a manhunt almost instantly. Police eventually searched this garage, which was called the 13th Street Garage, and they found uh, a pile of clothes, a gray T-shirt, black uh, shorts, um, which I think meant he had changed his clothes yeah. in the garage. Um no one knew who the shooter was at this time. They just knew what he looked like uh, and what he was wearing and that he basically vanished. Um, according to one of the detectives, their initial thought when they came across the murder scene uh, was that they thought it was a contract hit or related to organized crime in some way. And one of the interesting things I thought that I hadn't heard, the reason they thought this was because Gianni Versace, by him... Next to the body was a body of a dead bird. Whoa. Uh, and that, as a, according to this police detective, is the sign of a mafia hit. But it turned out that the bird was just in the wrong place at the wrong time <laughs> and actually got hit by a fragment of the bullet that killed Versace. Isn't that crazy? That's really crazy. Yeah. Um, so anyways, they found other items in this garage, including his passport and his ID, so they were able to, they knew who he was almost right, right. away. Um, like I said before, the manhunt was on the loose. Miami was freaking out. There was a lot of celebrities living in this, uh, in Miami at the time. Madonna lived there and like Sylvester Stallone. And like, so people were fucking freaking out because this like, at this point, everyone's like a celebrity killer <laughs> is on the loose in Miami. They didn't know about all the other things yet. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Um, about nine days, or I saw eight or nine days, so maybe if you're counting the day he was murdered, I don't know how they work it, um, police finally uh, thought they had found Kunanen. So mm-hmm. he had been like on, on the loose for this, um, you know, eight or nine days. He was found on a houseboat that actually belonged to a German businessman. It's named, always a houseboat. Right, named Torsten Rienick, who was actually a fugitive from Germany. He was wanted on fraud charges, but he's in the U.S., uh, just living it up and he was actually in Las Vegas at the time and his caretaker named Fernando Carrera happened to come in and stop uh, to check on the houseboat and he went inside and he spotted some things that were kind of out of place and then he heard a gunshot Um, he ran out and immediately called the police Um, authorities concluded that Kunanen had happened upon the uh, houseboat and obviously he needed a, a place to hide out and he had been living there for those days he had been wow. missing. And he just happened to pick that. Right. I, it probably was just a, looked abandoned, like no one yeah. was on it, uh, stuff like that. Um, a SWAT team came. Uh, they threw a tear gas canister into the boat to smoke him out. Eventually they found him dead inside. He had pretty much um, blown his face off. So they needed to identify him by his fingerprints. Um, the standoff actually took like 12 hours, like, they didn't know. I feel like he was dead, but they didn't know. So there was like this long extended period wow. where everyone thought he was just inside. With a gun. Um, yeah. Um, and as I mentioned before, uh, he shot himself with the same gun he used to kill not only Gianni Versace, um, but all of the other uh, victims. And it was a gun that he had taken from his first victim, Jeff Well, Trail. just the one guy who died by a gunshot. Well, he, he killed... Um, Versace, Reese, and Madsen with the gun. Only one guy died by the hammer. 
What about the guy who was stabbed with the screwdriver? Oh, the right. The old guy. That's right. The old guy. Sorry. Okay. Right. He wasn't killed by the gun. He right. was killed by others. So he killed, he killed three people. Three people with the same gun that right. he killed himself. Sorry. Sorry. Um, anyways. Anyway. Uh, he was. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry, Kathy. Don't yell at me uh, <laughs> in the comments. Ka- I just, Kathy's really mad at me because I say anyways sometimes. I actually know not to do that, but I don't know why I do it. I'm trash. I'm sorry. I, I'm I, lovable I, trash. I got really, I got humiliated once when I was a teenager for saying anyways. So I've never said it. I actually then. don't feel like I say it, but apparently I do. I it's, don't really fucking care. Whatever. I mean, it doesn't really matter. Well, maybe you'll know now. And I still don't care. Sorry, Kathy. <laughs> I love you. Desi's a surprise. <laughs> Thanks for cat. your Patreon donation. <laughs> we love all our listeners. Uh, yeah. You can criticize me, but I probably won't listen to your, I mean, unless it's like a really serious one. But no. I want to know what that serious one would, I would have love to, to be. Find out too. <laughs> I would love Look, to find that Please out. keep going. So far, no one's found it. <laughs> um, so Andrew was cremated and he is actually interred at the mausoleum of Holy Cross Catholic Cemetery in San Diego, California. Versace was also cremated uh, and his ashes were buried in Cernobio, Italy in his family vault. He had a really big funeral at the Milan Cathedral, which was attended by a bunch of celebrities, including Elton John and uh, Princess Diana. Wow. Do you remember just the a funeral? Few months, yeah. yeah, just mm-hmm. a few months before right. she died. Right, right. And I I'm actually sure... remember, yeah, I mean, it's crazy. And all the supermodels mm-hmm. were there. Right. Um, and as I said before, in, directly after this, police said they had no idea why Versace or why he was killed. Because Andrew Kanan left no suicide note, like no anything, no manifesto, like... It was just over and done. Like, right. Um, it was a true spree. Right. Right. This is a, this is definitely like a spree killer. Yeah. Um, so motive, uh, there has been a lot of speculation about what his ultimate motive was. Uh, as I said before, his first victim was his best friend. His second victim was the love of his life. And then there's the older man in Chicago. We don't really quite know what his thing, but he was supposedly, you know, I mean, he was married and supposedly very Catholic um, so I don't know if people are speculating that there was some kind of secret gay something going on there, but I don't know. Or if it was an opportunistic kill in which she right. just needed a place to crash. Who knows? I, um, I don't know. So according to this Maureen Orth, uh, she believes that he came to represent all older men he had in his life. Uh, he was like old, these older men that he was an escort and companion with. Um, yeah. Um, except for the fourth murder, which was obviously just to get the car. Um, Orth also said uh, his getaway car was in a public garage for four or five weeks while he was on the lam, and he was living in a flea bag hotel and hustling at night, going to gay discos, getting money. You know, like before he killed Versace, mm-hmm. there was like a few uh, months. Um, according to her, he always had an obsession with Versace because like Versace, uh, Andrew was gay and out his whole life. So he had some kind of connection to that aspect of Versace. It's a pretty for thin some connection. Yeah. He was a, and this is a quote from Orth. He was a narcissist, a con artist, a liar and felt extremely entitled. He didn't want to work for a living. And Versace seemed to have everything that he himself felt he deserved fame recognition. I think Versace embodied everything Kunanen wanted to be. However, he wasn't willing to work for it. Right. This is like narcissist 101. Like, right. This sense of entitlement and illusions of grandeur. Like you yeah. think you deserve um, yeah. all of this nonsense. Um, another sort of 
this is so 90s also to me. People initially, um, another rumor after all of this happened was that he was HIV positive and he had nothing to live for. So he was going out and killing gay people. Uh, he was biggest. actually HIV negative. So that was like a complete, I actually remember hearing that. I can't believe, I don't rem- I was probably too young, but I, I, I don't, that is like the biggest, but it's so 90s, right? Like load of crap. people were like, Oh, only someone who had AIDS would have do this. Like as if everyone who had AIDS was or HIV, or positive. HIV positive was going out killing people because it's like, who cares? Like, I mean, Ugh. it's so, it's just it's so, so gross. Yeah. Um, so as I said before, um, there was no suicide note found. Um, there were some weird uh, things that they did find. Uh, c- c- considering how money hungry he was and what a con artist, there was nothing really of value found. But they did find um, multiple tubes of hydrocortisone cream and an extensive collection of C.S. Lewis fiction. I'm sorry. Wait, itch cream and Narnia books? Yeah, like... Why? I, mean, I have no idea. I just thought that was weird. <laughs> That's fucking weird. Um, so in the aftermath of this, um, Santo, the brother, became CEO of Gianni Versace, the company. His sister, Donatella, became the new head of design. In the will, Gianni left 50% of his fashion empire to his niece, Allegra. Um, her brother, Daniel, got some artwork and... Uh, and Allegra would inherit her stake, which was approximately uh, $500 million when she turned 18. Wow. Versace also left his uh, boyfriend um, with a lifelong pension of 50 million lire a month, which was about $26,000, and the right to live in any of his homes in Italy and the United States. Versace's family actually uh, interfered in that and gave him a fraction of what Gianni wanted for him, which That's I find really very fucking fucked up. It is Because he up. wasn't just like someone who was in his life the last year. This that guy is, was in his life for decades. Yeah, since 1982. So him. almost 20 years. Uh, so it kind of made me like, fuck you, Donatella. Wait, <laughs> Donatella you. was part of Well, the of family, it? and they're the two main... Inherit- I was thinking like his mom and dad, but I guess no, they weren't alive. No, it was like the brother Maybe. and the sister... I just find that really fucked up. That is, because they obviously knew him. Also, they have a ton of money. Like, what? What do they need? Ugh, I'm so irritated. Anyways, um, <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> you will always now remember. I'm, now I'm like, you obsessed. will always remember. God. No, it's fine because there was the um thing like when we first started, and like we've forgotten about that. Right. It's Somebody's- really hard. Listen, you get on a microphone and speak. And have it, your voice and your words analyzed. You won't be happy. You know what? You're right. Uh, it's not easy. Always. I try. Well, you don't realize you have weird little ticks, and it's only noticeable when you're recorded. Like if I'm just talking to you, you're not like focusing on. Anyways, it's actually a miracle I can because I like will listen back to the show immediately after we record it, just in case there's any weird sound things like right. that are like really egregious or whatever. Like. And sometimes it's painful. I'm like, oh, I sound like that. Right. But at least we haven't been uh, accused of vocal fry. I mean, that's the big one, right? Which here, it's the, here's the reality. I know I've done vocal vocal fry plenty of times on the show before. And you know what? I don't really give a shit. Yeah. I don't even care. None of us are perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Um, oh, sorry. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Ugh, I hate myself. Desi's, Thank you, Kathy. Desi, now I fucking hate myself. Desi's turning red like a little strawberry shortcake. <laughs> uh, 
Um, another interesting thing is that this woman, Maureen Orth, who I have mentioned a lot, the article I read is a Vanity Fair article that goes really in depth into um, Andrew Cunanan's life, and it's really interesting. She was actually working on this before Versace's murder. What? She was following the case already just based on it being like a crazy spree killing and that he was a, you know, America's, you know, top 10 most wanted criminal. And then he happens to kill. And while she was working on the article and about to finish it up, uh, and they were actually fact checking the article, you know, so that's like at the end Whoa. after she's written it. And that was when Versace was killed in Miami. Uh, her editors asked her, hey, someone call, someone killed Versace. Do you think that this is your guy? Um, at this, at that moment, the police wasn't, the police weren't entering or releasing the name of the shooter yet. Um, and Orth speculates that because they didn't do that right away, that was sort of how he escaped. Like, because people didn't know to look for him, right? Who knew like, him in Miami? I don't know, right? Yeah. Um, so, as I mentioned before, this week, I think Wednesday. Uh, season two of American Crime Story starts, and it's uh, called The Assassination of Gianni Versace. Cunanan is going to be played by Darren Chris mm-hmm. from uh, Glee. Penelope Cruz will be playing Donatella. What do you think about that casting? Uh, I feel like they should have gotten someone more... First of all, I think Lady Gaga looks a lot more well, like Well, she's Donatella. probably too young, right? Like Penelope Cruz is like what in her early forties. Lady Gaga can play older, right? She can. I just think that they have a more distinct Italian look that they share. Right, Gaga and yeah. and Donatella. No, I feel like that's they look good. more similar. I think whatever Penelope Cruz. I have nothing against her as a human being or as an actor. I don't know. I just think it was a weird casting yeah. for some reason. But who knows? Maybe she's gonna be great. I haven't seen the show yet. Obviously, uh, Ricky Martin plays the longtime boyfriend. I'm excited to see um, that. Judith Light is also in it. You can't have a gay production without I Judith don't think Light. So. She she's described as playing the tightly wound wife of one of Cunanan's deeply closeted tricks. And I wonder if they're talking about the guy who was killed in How Chicago. How big of a role is that? I have no idea. Um, and Versace is played by a Venezuelan actor named Edgar Ramirez. We should post some pictures of we'll the casting. We'll post Because I've seen some uh, side-by-sides in some of these articles. Now, here's the interesting thing that I was going to touch upon. According to Ryan Murphy, who is the um, producer of this show, um, he specifically wrote assassination of Gianni Versace for a reason rather than murder. He thinks that this is a political murder, not in political like he was, you know, the government tried to assassinate him. Um, Like it was a political statement? Yes. Uh, He thinks that... um, that Cunanan targeted um, targeted people specifically to shame them and to out them and to have a form of payback for a life that he felt he could not live. Um, he he also claims that Cunanan was on FBI's most wanted list and that was circulated openly in Miami Beach before Versace was killed. And nothing was stopped because the story had a gay connection, like. His theory is that the police didn't take it as seriously because it was sort of like, oh, it's just gay people, which uh, people actually kind of made the same accusation against uh, the Jeffrey Dahmer police, like because it was gay men being they were murdered men of color too. and men of color that people didn't care as much. And I mean, I guess, I guess across the board, 
people yeah. of color being killed or marginalized groups being killed don't get the same attention they as like a little white girl being killed. So that's what he means by political. Um, also, Ramirez, who plays Versace, this is a quote from him. The underlying subject is homophobia and how homophobia killed him. That's something that comes up over and over again when we look into the investigation. Kunanam was on the news every night on the most wanted list, and for some reason, all the law enforcement authorities couldn't get him. And he was pretty sloppy with his trail. Right. And I don't know. I'm curious. It makes me curious to see the show because this is an angle that I didn't see. And I probably read, like, including Wikipedia, like 10 articles, and some of them were freaking long. You guys, <laughs> I'm just saying. Um, so it's kind of like an interesting... That's an angle I've never heard before that I never considered. Right. And it is an interesting... For this story. It's an interesting take. So it, it does kind of make me curious. And we'll probably both be watching it and yeah, maybe talk about will it be. week by week if you guys want to join in. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much it. Wow. I did a lot, right? That was a lot of work. Yeah. Desi. Some um, of these articles were so long. I was like, oh my God. But it, I kept like finding things. Whenever there's a Vanity Fair article though from like back in the day, I Ugh, always read it. They're so good. They're so good. Well, they're really usually rent, written in like a very entertaining way. Yeah. Like uh, the Heidi Fleiss Vanity Fair right. article that I found. And I think I did one for the Martha Moxley too. Yeah. Um, they're always really good. So should I read off... Our Wait, do you Patreon? want to hear my dad's Versace story? Oh, yeah, story? definitely. Go ahead. I've, like, hyped it up so much it's not oh, interesting. Oh, yeah. All that happened was that over <clears throat> Christmas break, uh, Brendan and I walked into my aunt and uncle's house where my dad was. Uh, this was on Christmas Day, and my dad's wearing this, like, electric blue tweed jacket, like a blazer. Right. Uh, like a suit jacket or whatever, and... Uh, Brendan's like, oh, that's a cool jacket. And my dad's like, this is Gianni Versace. Do you know when I bought this? Versace had just died and I was in Milan and everyone in the store was just crying. And he's like, do you have us in a 32? <laughs> I know. I was like, what kind of transaction was that? I was like, I'm really sorry like about Gianni. Can I pay? But can I buy this right now? Yeah. That's hilarious. Yeah, that's the story. It told you it wasn't interesting. It's, you know. But it's a really nice jacket. You can take a look at it on my Instagram. Okay. If you'll see sure. me with um, my dad, a picture of us a few pictures back. Um, okay. So I'm going to just uh, thank some of our new patrons. 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 I, don't know, I don't know how to say that word. Kathy. Come on, Kathy. Correct I me. feel bad we're singling out Kathy. I really I like love Kathy. Kathy. I was so drunk, too, when she... Uh, she said that to me. You First like, of all, she trash. was she's really sweet. Okay. I know. She did it in a sweet way. She's a grammar Nazi or whatever you want to call so it. So is my mom. My mom um, will text me things that I tweet and it's so humiliating. Um, but she was really sweet. I was like literally so wasted. I'm not proud of that. When she <laughs> when I saw that, uh, and I was just kind of like, Hey. So <laughs> me and Kathy are fine. Kathy's I, cool. I like she Kathy. She gets it. <laughs> um, so let's uh thank our new patrons. 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 Um, I might have some overlap here because I can't remember where I left off. We have Tara. Thank you, Tara. Brittany. Rachel. Jewel. Ambrose. Christy. Oh, no, that she just left a comment. Sorry. Not. No, thank you to you, Christy. <laughs> no. You. Oh, I, thank you. Oh, I, thank you. I, 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 I want to thank Christiane because she left a really sweet comment. Oh, cool. Yeah. Thank you. I'm. Yeah. Uh, Kelly. Kelly's my girl. Um, we have. Amy, Alyssa, 
uh, or Elisa, Judy, Bronwyn, Chelsea, Krista, Andrew, um, Ashley Marie, Megan, Kathy, my girl Kathy, <laughs> um, Holly, who's also my girl, and we just got one from, I'm sorry, I hope I don't say your name wrong, Tam- Tamim, Tamim? T-A-M-I-M. Please rake Please Desi over rake the coals over the for coals. horrific pronunciation. Find me on Instagram. Find a picture of my food and fucking tear my ass out open for a grammar tear thing like Kathy. Kathy was like on my chili my chili picture. I love that it was a picture of your chili. I can't remember what it was, but it was something completely like not related to the podcast. It was just like, hey, I love you. I fucking but love if you don't, Kathy. Yeah. Kathy, yes. Um, Kathy is down. Kathy, look at all this attention you've you've gotten for calling me out i love it um Um, oh wait i also want to say really quick just about comments and stuff we've gotten uh we got a really just this stood out to me i don't know i must be hormonal or something because i i you can ask brendan i started to like tear up and cry but we got a really sweet um we got a really sweet itunes review comment like our most it was just our most recent one so I read it last night and it was from a woman she's like I'm so much older than you gals but I feel like we're friends and you know what we are friends but it told like I just want (laughs) you to know that um it wasn't your real name you left but it was so sweet oh I didn't see that one you said you were 60s but that we were like friends I'm like we are friends yes so yeah, thank uh, you for that. So if you want to be even closer friends, check out the f- Facebook group that we've referenced a few times because we will be talking about this case a lot probably yeah. the next 10 weeks, I guess. Um, and we talk about other things on the show, and uh, but they're all sort of in the vein of Hollywood or crime um, or about the shows. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and it's a fun group and there's lots of cool people. Um, we post pictures and videos mm-hmm. and other people have their own stories uh, and they make suggestions. Um, so yeah. Hollywood crime scene friends on Facebook. That's what it's called. And then called. we have social accounts, obviously Twitter and Instagram. Everything's called so, Hollywood crime scene. Uh, I think that's it. That's, it. that's it. Thank you. Okay, bye. Bye.